Nabuat and Khilafat, Prophethood and its Successorship. These are four speeches delivered on June the 10th, 1966, under the chairmanship of Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmad, Khalifa al-Masih III, may Allah shower his mercy upon him, at Masjid Mubarak in Rabwa, Pakistan. The first speech, Nabuat of the Promised Messiah Islam, by Maulana Abu Ata Jalandri, Raziyallahu. A bit more about the author. He was born in 1904 and died in 1977. Maulana Abu Ata Jalandri, uh, was born in the district of Jalandhar in 1904. At the age of seven, his father brought him to Qadiyan for studies, where he completed his honors in Arabic with distinction. For five years, he served as the missionary in charge for Palestine and acquired great proficiency in Arabic. He started the uh, magazine Al-Bushra in 1933 and also started the magazine Al-Furqan. He was a prolific writer and wrote numerous books in Urdu and Arabic. He held many public debates in various topics, including one with Molvi Thanaullah Amritsri. He served as the principal of Jamia Ahmadiyya and Jamia Tul Mubashirin from 1944 to 1958. He was also one of the members of the delegations of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat in 1953 and 1974 to the government of Pakistan. He also served as the member of the IFTA Jurisprudence Committee for many years until his death. He is one of the three members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat who have been given the title Khalid Ahmadiyat by Hazrat Muslimaud Raziallahu. Now back to the speech, Nabuat of the Promised Messiah Islam. References up to 1914 from those who did not take the Pledge of Allegiance with Khilafat Ahmadiyya after the demise of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I Raziallahu. The Messiah of the age has now appeared on earth. Allah has fulfilled that which He has promised on that day. Blessed is he who believes now and ranks with the companions of the Holy Prophet ﷺ by accepting me. The same elixir has been offered to them by the hospitable God. Glory is to him who puts my enemies to shame. These are the Urdu couplets of the Promised Messiah ﷺ. During the blessed life of the Promised Messiah ﷺ, all Ahmadis hovered around him and his spiritual light like moths. They fully recognized his status. All followers firmly believed that by being a servant of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and deriving spiritual grace from him, the Promised Messiah ﷺ became an Ummati Nabi. They all offered with him utmost zeal and loving devotion, all kinds of sacrifices for the propagation of Islam. The editor of Badr declared this belief as following. Listen, every Ahmadi is firmly established on the belief that the holy, noble, and righteous personage whom people call Mirza Qadiani is a Nabi chosen by God. Badr, June 18, 1908, page 11. According to the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, no law-bearing prophet... According to the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, no law-bearing Nabi can come now. 
Indeed, anyone who makes such a claim is a disbeliever and a liar. The only type of Nabi who can come is one within the Ummah of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and that is provided that he does not bring any new law. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat himself writes, Now all Nabuwats are closed except the Nabuwat of Muhammad ﷺ. No Nabi with a new Sharia can come. A Nabi without a new Sharia can appear, but only if he is within the Ummah. On this basis, I am a Mu'un Ummati as well as a Nabi. Tajalliyate Lahia and Rohani Khazai, Volume 20, page 411-412 In March of 1914, during the establishment of the Second Khilafat, some people refused to take the Pledge of Allegiance and termed themselves outside the Pale of Khilafat. Up until March of 1914, these people had adhered to the non-law-bearing Nabuat of the Promised Messiah I will confine myself to quoting their references in their own words. These clear statements do not require any further comments or explanations. The first and the second reference deal with the fundamental principles and with the true meaning of Khatamin Nabiyyid and La Nabi Badi. In addition to these two, there are 20 references in which the old and the young meaning seal of the prophets a title bestowed upon the holy prophet sallallahu in the holy quran surah al-hazab chapter 33 verse 41 and the second being la nabi badi which is the words of the sayings of the holy prophet sallallahu literally meaning there is no prophet after me. In addition to these two, there are 20 references in which the old and the young of the group have declared acceptance of the Nabuwat and the Risalat of the Promised Messiah. The references follow The true meaning of Khatamun Nabiyyin. Malvi Muhammad Ali, who from March 15, 1914 to October 13, 1951, was the Emir of the Ahmadiyya Anjuman ishat islam the people who denied the prophethood after the first Khalifa. He writes, This community believes that the Holy Prophet ﷺ is Khatam al-Nabiyyin in the truest sense. We believe that any Nabi, whether old or new, cannot come by acquiring the status of Nabuwat without the intermediation of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. After the Holy Prophet ﷺ, Almighty Allah has closed all doors of Nabuat and Risalat, but the door has not been closed for the perfect followers of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, who follow him completely and acquire the light of God by fully adopting the color of his perfect morals, because they are a reflection of the same holy and exalted personage. Other Muslims believe that the Prophet Isa ﷺ, who passed away 600 years before him, will return. This belief definitely breaks the Khatam al Review of Religions, May 1908, page 186. True Significance of La Nabi Badi Molvi Umar of Shimla said, Our opponents raised great clamor in interpreting La Nabi Badi. There is no Nabi after me. 
In their speeches, they repeatedly refer to this and thereby declare that the claims of the Promised Messiah amounted to kufr and the jalat, appearance of the Antichrist. The truth is that the condition of these people is like the leaders of the Jews. The meaning of there being no Nabi after the Holy Prophet is that there cannot be a Rasul who brings a new Nabuat or Sharia. There can be a Nabi who is a servant of the Holy Prophet A scholar of Hadith, Mullah Ali Qari, has made this meaning very clear in elaborating the meaning of the Hadith. If Ibrahim had lived, he would have been a Nabi. Pegham Sullah, September 16th, 1913 A few quotations from Ahmadiyya Anjuman ishat islam Maulvi Muhammad Ali Chosen the Exalted Rasul Number 1 Maulvi Muhammad Ali, during his speech in the Ahmadiyya building, Lahore, said, Whatever meanings the opponent may adopt, we are firmly established on the belief that God can raise Ambiya. He can grant to people the status of Siddiq, truthful, the Shaheed, martyrs, and the Salih, righteous. But there needs to be one who asks. The one at whose hands we pledge allegiance was true. He was chosen and exalted Rasul, and the spirit of purification he reached its zenith in him. Speech of Maulvi Muhammad Ali in the Amdiya buildings, quoted in Al-Hakam, July 18, 1908, page 6. Claimant of Rasalat, number 2. In commenting upon the attitudes of critics of the Promised Messiah Islam, and comparing the situation with Jarag Deen of Jumma, Jammu, Maulvi Muhammad Ali writes, It is not surprising that a man who is a supporter of Islam and makes a claim of Risalat and is establishing the truthfulness of Islam all over the world and is refuting all the false doctrines is being so bombarded by edicts of apostasy as to make his life totally constrained. But when another person makes the claim of Rasalat in support of Christianity, but outwardly claims to be a Muslim, nobody writes a line in opposition to him. Review of Religions, May 6, May 1906, page 166. Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian is such a Nabi. Number 3. Maulvi Muhammad Ali writes, such a Nabi has been raised by Almighty Allah at this time, but people deny his truthfulness just as they had denied the truthfulness of earlier ones. Alas, these people should reflect. Have they not been shown the signs that no human can show? Is he not saving them from sin as the earlier Anbiya did? Does he not create in them the belief of the all-knowing and the all-powerful being? which has inculcated in earlier nations? Such a Nabi is Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian. Review of Religions, Volume 3, July 7, 1904, page 248. Pious Prophets of India, Number 4. Mulvi Muhammad Ali writes, We believe that the promise of an avatar, which has been given to them, was from God. 
Almighty Allah fulfilled that promise in the person of the righteous Nabi of India, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad al-Islam of Qadian. Review of Religions, November 1904, page 411. Promised Mursal of the Latter Days. Mursal means one who has been sent by God. Number 5. Molvi Muhammad Ali writes, To to recognize God and to be certain that He really exists is something unique. It can be attained only by observing the miraculous signs of the power and the knowledge of God. Such signs are only shown by the prophets and messengers of God. It has been the way of God since the beginning that when faith is totally wiped out of the hearts of people, He shows His extraordinary powers by showing miraculous signs through the prophets. Thus, he creates certainty about his existence in the hearts of people, which creates a pious change in them. Such is the need of this time, because the signs shown by the previous prophets have become old stories. Nowadays, people do not attain such a living and strong faith in their hearts as can burn in the inclination towards sin. This is the reason that moral conditions have deteriorated and people have become negligent of spiritual development. Therefore, at this time, Almighty Allah sent a morsel, one who has been sent by God, and it is the same Nabi that had been from the beginning prophesied as to appear in the latter days. Because he who made the promise knew that someone sent by him would be needed in the latter days, therefore, in accordance with his promise, he sent the one appointed by him to revive the faith and religion, and so that he should create a certainty of faith in him him, and in the hearts of people, and should demonstrate such powerful signs of God as were witnessed by people. Therefore, in accordance with this promise, He sent the one appointed by him to revive the faith and religion, so that he should create a certainty of faith in him, and in the hearts of people, and should demonstrate such powerful signs of God as were witnessed by people during the times of the earlier prophets. Man cannot safeguard himself from the bondage of sin as long as living faith is not created. Without faith, man cannot be saved from the sin, and it is impossible to acquire certainty without observing the fresh manifestations of the power of God. Fresh signs cannot be demonstrated without the coming of one who has been appointed by God, such a one, a morsel, who can create certainty of faith, is the founder of the Ahmadiyya community. Review of Religions, May 1906, pages 182 to 183. Anabi, in accordance with the way of God, number six. In his review of the magazine, Tashizul Adhan, Maulvi Muhammad Ali writes, The Tashizul Adhan, a quarterly journey, The Tashizul Adhan, a quarterly journal, has started publication from Qadian, and its first number has just become available. It is an example of the high resolve of the young men of the, of the movement. May God bless it. Its annual subscription is 12 annas, 5 English pence. 
The editor of this journal is Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad, son of the Promised Messiah Islam. This issue of the journal carries an introduction from his pen covering 14 pages. It will in any case be read and appreciated by the members of the community. But I wish to draw attention to the opponents of the movement to it as a clear proof of the truth of the movement. The summary of the essay is what when the world is corrupted land, leaving the way appointed by God, people indulge in all kinds of sin, covet material desires as vultures devour carrion, and are totally oblivious to the hereafter. It is the way of Allah and that He appoints a Nabi at such times. He spreads the true teachings and brings people to the right path. The people, blinded by sin and intoxicated by worldly desires, laugh at the Nabi or persecute him. They also persecute his companions and try to put an end to his community. However, since that is a community established by God, it cannot be destroyed by human will. Rather, the Nabi informs his followers that opponents will be defeated in the end and God will annihilate some of them to bring others to the right path. And this is the way it happens. This is the way of Allah since eternity, and this is what has happened now. Review of Religions, March 1906, page 117 through 118. Number 7. Mir Hamid Shah of Salkot writes, Understand this point, my dears. Understand it well. We should never forget the teachings of the Messiah, the Nabi, the Mulham, the Mujaddid. He is all of these. We should continue to make that proclamation. These are Urdu couplets in Pegham Isullah, December 28, 1913, page number 8. Number 8. Dr. Sayyid Muhammad Hassan Shah of Lahore writes, We thank Allah the Most High hundreds upon thousands of times that the revelations from God has been fulfilled today. It proves to the world that these are the true words of God and the one who brought it is a true morsel. Allah has conclusively proved the point. Supplement to Pegham July 27th, 1913. Reference number 9. Dr. Basharat Ahmad writes, In summary, they will be prophets and messengers, but at the same time, they will also be umati within the dispensation of the Holy Prophet Because in this way, their risalat or nabuwat will not be contrary to khatmi nabuwat. February 24th, 1914. Number 10. In reference to the Promised Messiah, Dr. Mirza Yaqub Beg writes, It is a grace of God that the daughters, like us, He has raised Ambiya, Awliya, and Solaha in every age. Supplement to Pegham March 5th, 1914. Reference number 11. Molvi Muhammad Asan of Amroha writes, in the, prob- 
In the progeny of Hazrat Ibrahim Islam, the Promised Messiah Islam was born among the children of Isaac Islam. So that the prophecy Wakazalika Nutzil Mohsinin and thus do we reward those who do good, which is in Surah Al Anam, chapter six, verse eighty five, may be fulfilled from both sons. From the children of Ishmael Islam, such perfect and complete leaders of the messengers, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, be born, and this his followers be declared Kuntum Khaira Ummatin. You are the best people. Surah Al Imran, chapter 3, verse 111. And from the children of Isaac, such a Nabi, the promised Messiah, be born, who is a servant of Ahmad, but along with it, he is also a Nabi. Thus, the promise, Waja'alna fi Waja'alna fi we placed Nabuat amongst his descendants. Surah Al Ankabut, chapter 29, verse 28. Be fulfilled. This is a supplementary to the Badr, January 26, 1911, on page 2. Reference number 12. Malvi Muhammad Ahsan of Amroha also writes The holy personage of Mirza Sahib has attained that secondary nabuwat which had been promised for those who follow the Holy Prophet As Allah, the Most High, says, وَمَنْ يُطِي اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ مَا أَنَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ And those who obey Allah and this messenger of His, shall be amongst those on whom Allah has bestowed His blessings, namely, the prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous. Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 70. According to this verse, those who are the embodiment of this promise can be Siddiq, Shaheed, or Salihin, and also they can also be Anbiya, for this reason, the Promised Messiah has been called Nabiullah at many places in the authentic Ahadith. This is a footnote to Risala At-Tib. Reference number 13. As secretary to the Bahishti Makbara, Molvi Muhammad Ahsan of Amroha writes, The Promised Messiah and the Mahdi came for the fulfillment of the promise. They are informed of their ranks in paradise, and this cemetery was shown to the promised Messiah in a vision about two years before his demise, in accordance with the hadith that no Nabi passes away until he is shown by Allah his place of rest in paradise. Therefore, although he breathed his last in Lahore, he was buried in this Bahisti Makbara, in accordance with the hadith, the death of travelers is martyrdom. Signed July 27, 1908. Registrar's Office, Bahisti Makbara. Reference number 14. A. In the presence of the Promised Messiah, Islam, Malvi Muhammad Ali appeared as a witness on May 13, 1904. On being questioned by Khwaja Kamaluddin, he said, 
Anyone who denies the truthfulness of a prophet is a great liar. Mirza Sahib has claimed to be a Nabi. His followers believe him to be true in this claim, and his opponents consider him to be false. The Holy Prophet is true according to the Muslims and false according to the Christians. Reference 14b On June 16, 1904, in the presence of the Promised Messiah in response to the critic made by Molvi Karimuddin in response to the critique made by Molvi Karamdin, Molvi Muhammad Ali said, Mirza Sahib makes a claim of Nabuat in his writings. The purport of this claim is that I am a Nabi, but I have brought no new Sharia. According to the Holy Quran, anyone who treats such a true claimant as a liar is a great liar. Court Proceedings, page 362. Reference number 15, Speech of Khwaja Kamaluddin in Al-Ahakam, dated May 14, 1911. The Batalvi, in his essay in Pesa newspaper, says that the Khwaja Sahib has repudiated that the Promised Messiah is a Nabi or a Rasul. But the Batalvi will be mortified to learn that within his home, Batala, Khwaja Sahib stated clearly in his lecture that in your neighborhood has appeared a Nabi and a Rasul. It is up to you to believe in him or not. Reference number 16. In the case of Molvi Karam Deen of Bhain, District Jhelum, acting as attorneys, Khwaja Kamaluddin and Molvi Muhammad Ali submitted the following statement under the signature of the Promised Messiah Islam. There is another view of the matter according to the Muhammadan theology. One who believes a person claiming to be a prophet is a kadhab, great liar. And this has been admitted by prosecution evidence. Now the claimant knew perfectly well that the first accused claim that the position, and notwithstanding that, he believed the accused. Consequently, in religious terminology, the complainant was a kazab. Proceedings of the Gurdaspur Court, page 19, page 194. Consequently, in religious terminology, the complainant was a kazab. Proceedings, Gurdaspur Court, page 194. The following references are from expert excerpts from Pegham Esullah. Number 17. On December 18, 1913, Pergham writes, These calamities tell that a messenger and a vice-regent of the Holy Prophet should appear in the world to prepare a community possessing the characteristics of the true believers in accordance with the promise that and we never punish until we have sent a messenger. Surah Bani Israel, chapter 17, verse 16. But he who does not accept will be awakened by powerful assaults. This is how it happened. Reference number 18. Calamities appearing due to the denial of a Rasul. On January 25, 1914, 
Pegamesula writes, How good would it be if Muslims ponder over and we never punish until we have sent a messenger. Surah Bani Israel, chapter 17, verse 16. Thereby they should try to search for a Rasul because of those denial, these. Thereby they should try to search for the Rasul because of whose denial these calamities are appearing so frequently. Reference number 19, a combined statement. Begamisula writes on September 7, 1913 that It is our faith that we are amongst the first devotees of the promised Messiah. It was in our presence that his pious personage left this world. It is our faith that the promised Messiah, the awaited Mahdi, was a true Rasul. He appeared to guide mankind in this age by following him alone the world can find salvation. We declare these matters everywhere and by the grace of Allah we cannot forsake these beliefs for the sake of anybody. Reference number 20 The Combined Testimony of All of Pegham Isullah Reference number 20 Combined Testimony of All of Ahle Pegham all we Ahmadis who are associated one way or another with the newspaper Pegham declare openly, taking God, who knows the secrets of the hearts, as our witness that it is falsehood to spread such misunderstandings about them. As our witness that it is falsehood to spread such misunderstandings about us. We believe that the promised Messiah and the awaited Mahdi was a Nabi, Rasul, and the Savior of this age. It is our faith that salvation of the world depends upon accepting the Holy Prophet and his servant, the promised Messiah. We also believe his true Khalifa, our Lord and leader, Maulana Hazrat Maulvi Nuruddin, anhu to be a righteous leader. If after these announcements anybody spreads misunderstandings about us, then we entrust our affair with Allah. Wa'ufawwidhu amri ilallah inna allaha basirun bil ibad and I entrust my cause to Allah verily Allah sees all his servants. Surah Al-Mumin Chapter 40, verse 45 Pegham Isullah, October 16, 1913 In the end, we present one reference which amply and conclusively states the agreed doctrine of all Ahmadis. Sheikh Abdurrahman Misri has written, I am an Ahmadi belonging to the period of the Promised Messiah Islam. I took the Pledge of Allegiance in 1905 I believe the promised Messiah to be a Nabi, in the same sense, in the same way as I believe in all the other prophets and messengers. I made no distinctions in the significance of Nabuat at that time, nor do I make it now. I was not acquainted with the terms like Istirara and Majaz. I was not acquainted with terms like 
istiara, and majaz. Later, the sense in which I saw these words used in the books of the Promised Messiah does not go against my belief. In this sense, I still consider His Holiness, may peace be upon Him, to be a Nabi, by the way of reflection, i.e., without any Sharia, and a Nabi who acquires that status by full obedience to the Holy Prophet and loses himself in the obedience of the Holy Prophet My faith is based on speeches and writings of the Promised Messiah and the agreed doctrine of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, signed Abdul Rahman, Headmaster, Madrasa Ahmadiyya, August 24, 1935. The signed statement of Misri Sahib is available in the records of the Jamaat. It has been published repeatedly in Al-Fazl and Al-Furqan. To sum up, the belief of the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishaat Islam about the prophethood of the Promised Messiah Islam is exactly the same as that held by the mainstream Ahmadis. Because they never repudiated the statements quoted above, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat also believes that the Promised Messiah was a reflection and servant of the Holy Prophet and was not a, no a law-bearing prophet within the Ummah of the Holy Prophet and was a non-law-bearing prophet within the Ummah of the Holy Prophet and Allah is a witness over what we say. The second speech Khilafat Ahmadiyya and the Pledge of Allegiance to Khilafat by Maulana Sheikh Mubarak Ahmad About the author Maulana Sheikh Mubarak Ahmad was born in rural Multan now in Pakistan on October 10, 1910 Maulana Sheikh Mubarak Ahmad devoted his life in the service of Ahmadiyyat and Islam at the age of 21 he was one of the pioneering missionaries in East Africa, where he worked from 1934 to 1962. From 1962 to 1979, he held several important positions at the headquarters of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat. From 1979 to 1983, he served as the Imam of the London Mosque. In 1983, he came to the United States and served as the National Amir. Maulana Sheikh Mubarak Ahmad retired in 1990, but remained active in the service of Islam in various official and personal capacities. He also translated the Holy Quran and the Book of Hadith, Riyazu Salihin, into the Swahili language. Maulana Sheikh Mubarak Ahmad has the honor of serving Islam and Ahmadiyyat as a devotee for four continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, and North America. He was an eloquent speaker and a prolific writer, as well as an astute administrator. The speech Khilafat Ahmadiyya and the Pledge of Allegiance to Khilafat Those who have not pledged allegiance to the Khilafat Ahmadiyya have adopted the position that there will not be Khilafat of an individual after the Promised Messiah Rather, he had appointed the Anjuman, here Anjuman refers to Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya, as his Khalifa, and has thereby put an end to Khilafat by persons.
On the contrary, those who have pledged allegiance to Khilafat Ahmadiyya are established on the belief that the system of Khilafat, which was established on the by the Holy Prophet ﷺ, has been re-established after the Promised Messiah ﷺ. Which of these beliefs is correct, and which community is on the right path? To find the answer, it is necessary that we turn to the writings of the Promised Messiah ﷺ. Moreover, we should seek guidance from sayings of the Khalifa al-Masih the first, Raziyallahu because of those now outside the pledge of Khilafat, accepted him to be the first Khalifa of the Promised Messiah They declared that his sayings would be as sacred as those of the Promised Messiah Finally, the statements up to the establishments of the second Khalifa of those who did not take pledge also points towards the right path. Sayings of the Promised Messiah in this respect I will present two types of sayings which the Promised Messiah One, the sayings of a general nature in which there are promises of the establishment of Khilafat amongst the Muslims on a permanent basis after the Holy Prophet And secondly, specific sayings in which it is pointed out clearly that there would be Khilafat after the Promised Messiah Let's look towards the sayings of a general nature first. The first reference. In his book, Shahadatul Quran, the Promised Messiah writes, Some people deny the general applications to all Muslims of the verse, Wa'adallahu lazina amanu min kum wa'amilu salihati la yastakhlifannahum fil ardi kamastakhlafal lazina min kablihim. Allah has promised to those among you who believe and do good works that He shall surely make them successors in the earth as He made successors from amongst those who were before them. Surah Nur, chapter 24, verse 56. They contend that those among you here only means the companions, the Riyaz Salihin. They contend that those among you here only means the companions and that Khilafat came to an end with them that it would not reappear amongst the Muslims up to the Day of Judgment. In other words, the Khilafat appeared only as a dream or fancy for a period of period for a brief period in other words, the Khilafat appeared only as a dream or fancy for a brief period of 30 years. After that period, Islam entered upon an everlasting period of doom. Rohani Khazayim, Volume 6, page 330. Number 2. He further states in the same book, How can I say that anyone who studies these verses carefully would not understand that Allah the Most High has made a promise of everlasting Khilafat for the Ummah. If Khilafat was not permanent, then what was the significance of drawing a parallel with the Khulafa of the Mosaic Dispensation? If the righteous Khilafat was to be limited to 30 years and thereafter its period was to be closed forever, 
Then it follows that Allah the Most High had not ordained that the doors of good fortune remain open for the followers of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. In these writings, the Promised Messiah is correct the point In these writings, the Promised Messiah is correcting the point of view of those who believe that the Khilafat was confined to the companions and it's closed thereafter. In these writings, he made it very clear that the promise contained in the quote verse is the promise of an everlasting bliss. Number three, the basic reason for the establishment of Khalifa also requires that we believe in the general application of the quoted verse. In the same book, Shahadatul Quran, the Promised Messiah writes, Since no one can live forever, Allah the Exalted ordained that the Anbiya, who are the most honored and the best people of the earth, continue their existence upon the death by way of reflection. For this purpose, God instituted Khilafat, so that the world should at no time be deprived of the blessings of the Nabuat. He who limits it for thirty years foolishly overlooks the true purpose of a Khalifa, and does not realize that God did not design that the blessings of Khilafat be limited to thirty years after the death of the Holy Prophet and that thereafter the world may go to ruin. Page 353-354, Shahadatul Quran Now the specific sayings. After these statements of general applicability, I will now offer statements which prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the chain of Khilafat was destined to remain unbroken after the promised Messiah and that this Khilafat would be personal and would be patterned after the righteous Khalifa who followed the Holy Prophet ﷺ. In Hamamat al-Bushra, the Promised Messiah has narrated a hadith of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and has written, Then the Promised Messiah or one of his Khalifa would travel towards Damascus. Rohani Ghazayim, Volume 7, page 225. By writing this, the Promised Messiah has made two very clear statements in favor of Khilafat. One, that the Holy Prophet has promised that the Promised Messiah would be followed by Khulafa, one of whom would travel to Damascus. Second, he accepted the applicability of this hadith to himself, and thus, fifteen years before his demise, he declared that he would be followed by several Khulafa one of whom would travel to Damascus. Number two, shortly before his demise, the Promised Messiah wrote Al-Wasiyat. In it, he writes, He lets them sow the seeds of it, the truth, but he does not let them come to fulfill fruitations at their hands. Rather, he causes them to die at such a time as apparently forebodes a kind of failure and thereby provides an opportunity for the opponents to laugh at, ridicule, taunt, and reproach the Prophets. And after they have had their fill of ridicule and reproach, 
he reveals yea another dimension of his might and creates such a means by which the objectives which had to some extent remained incomplete are fully realized thus he manifests two kind of powers first he shows at the hands of his power at the hands of the prophet Number two, shortly before his demise, the promised Messiah Islam wrote Al-Wasiyat. In it, he writes, He lets them sow the seed of it, but he does not let it come to full fruition at their hands. Rather, he causes them to die at such a time as apparently forebodes a kind of failure, and thereby provides an opportunity for the opponents to laugh at, ridicule, taunt, and reproach the prophets. And after they have had their fill of ridicule and reproach, he reveals ye another dimension of his might, and creates such means by which the objectives, which had to some extent remained incomplete, are fully realized. Thus, he manifests two kinds of powers. First, he shows the hand of his power at the hands of his prophets themselves. Second, when the death of the prophet Difficulties and the problems arise, and the enemies feel stronger and think that things are in disarray, and is convinced that now this Jamaat will become extinct, and even members of the Jamaat too are in quandary and their backs are broken. And some of the unfortunate ones choose paths that lead to apostasy. Then it is, then it is that God, for the second time, shows His mighty power and supports and takes care of the shaken Jamaat. Thus one who remains steadfast till the end witnesses this miracle of God. This is what happened at the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq when the demise of the Holy Prophet was considered untimely and many of the ignorant Bedouins turned apostate. The companions of the Holy Prophet too, stricken with grief, became like those who lost their senses. Then Allah raised Abu Bakr Siddiq and showed for the second time the manifestation of his power and saved Islam just when it was about to fall and fulfilled the promise which was spelled out in this verse. That is, after the fear, we shall firmly re-establish them. Al-Wasiyat, Rohani Khazai, Volume 20, pages 304 and 305. Then the Promised Messiah continues. So dear friends, since it is Sunnatullah, meaning way of God, from times immemorial, that God Almighty shows two manifestations so that two false joys of the opponent be put to an end. It is not possible now that God should relinquish his sunnah of old. So do not grieve over what I have said to you, and nor your hearts should be disheartened. For it is essential for you to witness the second manifestation also. And it is coming is better for you because it is everlasting, the continuity of which will not end till the day of judgment. And that second manifestation cannot come 
unless I depart. But when I depart, God will send a second manifestation for you, which shall always stay with you, as promised by God in Brahine Ahmadiyya. Many conclusions flow from this writing of the promised Messiah First, the second manifestations refers to the Khulafah, because the promised Messiah writes, Then Almighty raised Hazrat Abu Bakr to show his second manifestation. By giving an example of Hazrat Abu Bakr, the promised Messiah makes it clear that the second manifestation means Khilafat. Second, the promised Messiah does not limit the application of Ayat-e-Istakhlaf in the Holy Quran to those appointed directly by God. Rather, he gives it a general application and regards it as a type of Khilafat which was bestowed upon Hazrat Abu Bakr Thus, the chain of Khulafa, which started with Hazrat Abu Bakr is a manifestation of the promise made by Allah, the Most High, in that verse. Third, it can also be concluded that it is destined that the believers will face trials and tribulations after the demise of the prophets. These trials have been warded off through the Khulafa. This ancient tradition must also fulfill in the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat. As the Promised Messiah writes, It is not possible that Allah Most High should change His eternal way. That is, the Jamaat was destined to face severe tribulations after the demise of the Promised Messiah. A condition of fear would arise, but it would be turned into a peaceful situation in accordance with the eternal way of God. The fact that the Jamaat faced many trial and Allah the Most High protected the Jamaat through the Khulafa. Thus, the eternal way of God was fulfilled. Fourth, these writings also show the second manifestation would be granted continuation. Up to the Day of Judgment, Khulafa will continue to appear in the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat. The organization of the Jamaat will continue to gain strength upon strength and it will become so firmly established that the Khilafat will continue up to the Day of Judgment as promised by the Promised Messiah He writes, It is an eternal truth, and a chain will not be broken up to the Day of Judgment. Fifth, the second manifestation would appear after the demise of the, Holy Pro- of the Promised Messiah The manif- second manifestation would come after he is gone, as he writes, that the second manifestation cannot come until I go. The Anjuman had been established during the lifetime of the Promised Messiah but the Promised Messiah writes about the second manifestation that cannot come until I go. As I have stated earlier, the second manifestation refers to Khilafat. The question of successors does not arise as long as the principle is present. And therefore, the Promised Messiah writes that the second manifestation cannot come until I go. In other words, the system of Khilafat would be established after his demise as it was established after the Holy Prophet All these conclusions which flow from the writings of Al-Wasiyyat show that the system of Khilafat would be established forever after the Promised Messiah and it would always be Khilafat in form of a person.
the third reference here is in Sabz Istiar, meaning the green pamphlet. The Promised Messiah writes, The second way of sending mercy is to send messengers and prophets, divinely inspired scholars, awliya, and khulafa, so that people may be guided to the right path through their leadership and guidance and should attain salvation by following their way. So Allah the Most High has decreed that the progeny of this humble one may manifest both these forms. This is a quote from a footnote in Rohani Khazai, Volume 2, page 462. This writing also shows that the system of Khilafat would be established in the community of the Promised Messiah and some of the Khulafa would be from his progeny. The fourth reference is one and a half months before his demise, the Promised Messiah made a speech in Lahore in which he said, The Sufis said that the person who is to be Khalifa after a Shaykh or a Rasul or a Nabi is the first one who is inspired by God to accept the truth. The death of a Rasul is a severe earthquake and is a time of great danger, but Almighty Allah provides reassurance through a Khalifa and the Khalifa revives and strengthens afresh the purpose of the advent of the deceased. Why did the Holy Prophet ﷺ not appoint a Khalifa to succeed him? It was because he knew very well that Almighty Allah would himself appoint a Khalifa. The Promised Messiah ﷺ continued, In one revelation, Allah the Most High has addressed to me as Shaykh. Quote, Allah said to him, You are the Shaykh, the Messiah, whose time will not be wasted. A quote in Al-Hakam, April 4th, 1905. This also proves that there would be khulafa after the Promised Messiah The fifth reference is in Pegham Sullah. The Promised Messiah writes, Those who are outside my community are all disunited in their ways and thoughts. They do not follow a leader whose obedience is incumbent upon them. Rouhani Khazayim, Volume 23, Page 455. It is obvious that a leader whose disobedience is incumbent upon everyone. It is obvious that the leader whose obedience is incumbent upon everyone after the Nabi is a Khalifa. It was therefore essential that a system of Khilafat be established in the Jamaat so that it may not revert to a scattered condition in nature and thoughts. Similarly, in Pegamisullah, the Promised Messiah wrote inviting the Hindus to a pledge of peace in relation to the breach of that pledge. They would pay a substantial penalty, not less than 300,000 rupees, to the leader of the Ahmadiyya Jamaat. This also shows that it is essential that a leader and an Imam whose obedience is incumbent upon all members must always be present in the Jamaat Otherwise, the pledge would be meaningless. These sayings of the Promised Messiah clearly prove that the system of Khilafat is destined to continue after the Promised Messiah and it would be the righteous Khilafat in the form of individuals. Parliaments or societies have never been established as Khulafa, nor would they be in the future. Sayings of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the first, Razi Allah Anhu. 
Hazrat Maulana Hakim Nuruddin Anhu was appointed to be the head office of the Khilafat. The following references are from sayings of Hazrat Khalif al-Masih I, Anhu. Hazrat Maulana Hakim Nuruddin Anhu was appointed to the office of Khilafat on May 27, 1908. From then up to the time of his demise, he, ex he explained the importance of Khilafat and adherence to it in several speeches and sermons. On the demise of the Holy Prophet, on the demise of the Promised Messiah, he was approached by many leaders of the Jamaat to take the leadership and accept the Pledge of Allegiance. These included Khwaja Kamaluddin, Maulvi Muhammad Ali, and many of their friends. The response which he gave them is worthy of note. He says, If you insist upon making the covenant with me, then bear in mind that bath means to be sold. On one occasion, Hazrat Sahib, the Promised Messiah indicated to me that I should put the thought of my home out of my mind. Thereafter, my entire honor and all thinking became attached to him, and I have never thought of my home. Thus, bayat is a difficult matter. A person who makes a bayat gives up all his freedoms and high flights. Concluding the speech, he said, Remember all goodness proceeds from unity. A jamaat which has no leader is dead. Brother, June 2nd. 1908. After assuming the office of Khilafat, he said, Now I am your Khalifa. If any one of you should say that the name Nuruddin is not mentioned in Al Wasiyat by Hazrat Sahib, the Promised Messiah, I would counter. Nor are the names of Adam and Abu Bakr mentioned in earlier prophecies. The whole Jamaat has accepted me as Khalifa by consensus. Anyone who goes against that consensus puts himself in opposition to God. Then listen with attention that if you act contrary to your covenant, your hearts will be fulfilled with hypocrisy. Brother, June 2nd, 1908 Then again he said, I remind you again that the Holy Quran sets forth clearly that is Allah who appoints Khulafa. Remember, Adam Islam was made Khulafa by God, who said, Inni Jailun fil Ardi Khalifa. I am about to place a vice regent on earth. Surah Al Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 31. What good did the angels achieve by raising an objection to it? You can find it from the Holy Quran and see that they had uh, to prostrate on account of Adam Islam. If someone objects to my Khilafat, even if he be an angel, I would respond, It is better for you to submit to the Khilafat of Adam Islam. If he becomes Satan by acting with disobedience and pride, he should ponder, What benefit did Iblis or Satan derive from his opposition? I repeat, if any one of you objects to my Khilafat, and such an objector is an angel, he will be brought by his right nature to submit to Adam, alayhi salam. Brother, July 4th, 1912. 
Continuing the same speech, he said, Khilafat is no light affair. You can derive no benefit by agitating this question. No one will make any of you Khalifa, nor can there be one in my lifetime. When I die, it will only that it will only be you can derive no benefit by agitating this question. No one will make any of you Khalifa, nor can there be anyone in my lifetime. When I die, it will be only that one concerning whom God so wills who will become Khalifa. You have made a covenant with me. You should not raise the question of Khalifa. God has made me Khalifa, and now I cannot be set aside by any of you nor has anyone the power to set me aside. If some of you persist in your attitude, then remember that I have with me those who, like Khalid bin Walid, will chastise you as rebels. Badr, July 4th, 1912 At another occasion he said, I declare in the name of Allah that Allah has appointed me as Khalifa, just as he appointed Adam al-Islam, Abu Bakr and Umar as Khulafa. Another of his admonitions is, If I have been made Khalifa, this is God's doing in accordance with His design. It is true that He has made me Khalifa for your good. No power can set aside a Khalifa appointed by God. No one of you has the power or strength to set me aside. If God Almighty wills to set me aside, He will cause me to die. You must commit to this matter to God. The person who says that He has made me Khalifa utters falsehood. Al-Hakam, January 21st, 1914 Again he has said, If anyone say that the Anjuman has made me Khalifa, he utters a falsehood. Such thinking is destructive and should be eschewed. Listen once more that no man or Anjuman has made me Khalifa, nor do I consider any Anjuman capable of appointing a Khalifa. Thus, no Anjuman has made me Khalifa, nor do I attach any value to the action of any Anjuman in that context. Should the Anjuman leave me, I would not pay any attention to its action. No one has the power to deprive me of the robe of Khilafat. Badr, July 4th, 1912 There's another significant statement of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih I in explaining the Pledge of Allegiance to Khilafat and remaining faithful to Khilafat. He says, A person wrote to Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih I saying, It is obligatory to take the Pledge... A person wrote to Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I, Is it obligatory to take a pledge with you? He said. Whatever is commanded, He said, Whatever is commanded for the original pledge does apply equally to the branch. The companions of the Holy Prophet deemed it obligatory to take the pledge at the hand of the Khalifa before burying the body of the Holy Prophet Badr, March 3rd, 1911, page 9 This makes it clear that taking the pledge of 
every Khalifa is obligatory. The previous statements make it clear that Allah appoints whomsoever He wills as Khalifa. After the promised Messiah, Allah will appoint whom He wills. The obedience to the, all the Khulafa will be obligatory, just as the obedience of the righteous Khulafa was obligatory after the demise of the Holy Prophet. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I considered himself to be the righteous Khalifa, just like Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar and other Khulafa. Another one of his statements is worthy of note. A point I wish to make is worth remembering. Despite deliberate attempts, I cannot resist saying so. I have noticed that Hazrat Khwaja Suleiman, mercy of Allah be upon him, was utterly devoted to the Holy Quran. I love him dearly. He served as Khalifa for 78 years, and he was appointed when he was 22. Remember this matter. I have stated it for a special reason and purely for your benefit. Al-Badr, July 27, 1910 In 1911, when he fell ill, he wrote a testament and handed it over to one of his people. He wrote, Khalifa Mahmud. Upon recovery, he tore this paper up which had been sealed. On March 4, 1914, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I felt very weak. He asked for a pen and ink and wrote the following statement for his successor. My successor should be righteous, popular, learned, and of good conduct. He should exercise forbearance towards the old and the new children my successor should be righteous, popular, learned, and of good conduct. He should exercise forbearance towards the old and new friends of the promised Messiah. I have been the well-wisher of all of them, so he should be. The public teachings of the Holy Quran and Hadith should be continued. Greetings of Peace Al-Hakam, March 7, 1914, page 5 He wrote this testament in his last illness and asked Mulvi Muhammad Ali to read it three times and asked him to confirm it. The will that he left behind relating to his successor also clearly demonstrates that Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I believed in Khilafat by an individual and believed that it, this is the only way that the traditions set by the righteous Khulafa can be preserved. He admonished that the same be adopted after his demise. Sayings up to the second Khilafat of those who did not take the pledge of Khilafat. The first is narrated by Hazrat Malvi Sayyid Sarwar Shah, may Allah be pleased with him, that on May 27, 1908, on the demise of the Promised Messiah, Khwaja Kamal Adin, Mirza Yaqub Bey, and Dr. Sayyid Muhammad Hussain Shah arrived from Lahore to Qadiyan. Khwaja Kamaluddin made a very touching speech to the effect that a caller came from Allah, who called people towards God. We responded to his call and gathered around him. 
Now he has returned to his God and left us behind. The question is, what should we do now? Sheikh Ramatullah stood up and said the words that, to the effect that, On my way to Qadian, I said again and again, and I repeat what I said earlier, Give leadership to the old man, meaning Hazrat Maulvi Nuruddin. Without that, this Jamaat cannot stay united. Everybody agreed with him and no one objected. A petition was submitted to Hazrat Maulana Nuruddin bearing signatures of several members of the Jamaat, including Sheikh Ramatullah, Dr. Sayyid Muhammad Hussain Shah, Maulvi Muhammad Ali, Khwaja Kamaluddin, and Dr. Mirza Yaqub Beg. It stated, In accordance with the instructions of the Promised Messiah as recorded in Al-Wasiyyat, we, the Ahmadis whose signatures are subscribed below, are fully satisfied with a trustful heart, and the first amongst of, among the immigrants, Hazrat Maulvi Nuruddin, who is more knowledgeable and more righteous than all of us, and is the most sincere and oldest friend of our holy leader, and whom he has determined to be model for all of us, as in his couplet, Je khushbude agar har ze ummat nurdin bude, hami bude agar har dil puraz nure yakin bude. Meaning, how fortunate would it be if everyone of the community were nuruddin? So would it be if everyone were filled with the light of faith. It is therefore incumbent that, in the name of Ahmad al-Islam, all Ahmadis who are Ahmadis now and those who join later take a pledge. The saying of Hazrat Molvi Sahib should not should bear the same value as the sayings of the Promised Messiah al-Islam. The sayings of Hazrat Molvi Sahib should bear the same value as the sayings of the Promised Messiah al-Islam. Badr, June 2nd, 1908 After the demise of the Promised Messiah the whole Jamaat accepted Hazrat Maulana Nuruddin as Khalifa and took the Pledge of Allegiance. Khwaja Kamaluddin, in his capacity as Secretary of Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya, made the following announcement on behalf of all the members of the Anjuman. Before the funeral prayers of the Promised Messiah were offered, in accordance with Al-Wasiyyat of the Promised Messiah and in consultation with the leaders of Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya, relatives of the Promised Messiah and with the permission of the Mother of the Faithful, the entire Jamaat, numbering about 1,200, took a pledge at the hands of the Most Honored, Pilgrim of the Holy Places, at the respected Hakim Nuruddin Raziyallahu. The following respected personages were among those present at that occasion. Hazrat Maulana Sayyid Muhammad Ahsan, Sahib Zada Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, Nawab Muhammad Ali, Sheikh Rahmatullah, Maulvi Muhammad Ali, Dr. Yaqub Beg, Dr. Sayyid Muhammad Hussain Shah, Khalifa Rashiduddin, and the most humble Khwaja Kamaluddin. Continuing the statement, Khwaja Sahib said, All those present whose number is mentioned above accepted him 
as Khalifatul Masih with the unanimity. This letter is for the information of all members of the Jamaat. On receiving this message, all members of the Jamaat should personally through or through letter take a pledge of allegiance to Hazrat Hakimul Ummat Khalifa of the Masih and Mahdi. Al Hakam and Badr, June 2nd, 1908. At the end of 1913, the following announcement was made under the signature of Molvi Muhammad Ali, Molvi Sadruddin, and Sayyid Muhammad Hussain Shah. The whole Jamaat is under. The whole Jamaat is his follower, meaning of Hazrat Khalifa al Masih I, Rosilanho. And all members of the executive committee, meaning Sadr Anjuman, are under a pledge of allegiance to him and are most obedient to him. Begamisullah, December 4, 1913. It was also stated by these leaders that pledge of allegiance was in no way contradictory. Pledge of allegiance is in no way contradictory to Al Wasiyat. Indeed, it was exactly in, in accordance with it. Begamisullah, April 19, 1914. A few days after the demise of the Promised Messiah on June 21, 1908, Maulvi Muhammad Ali made a speech in Lahore in which he said, When in the authentic books of these people, Hazrat Abu Bakr is regarded as a successor to the Holy Prophet and it is clearly admitted that the killing of Musalma, in the presence of Hazrat Abu Bakr amounted to his being killed in the presence of the Holy Prophet and also that the attainment of the treasures of the Roman and Persian emperors by Hazrat Umar amounted to the victory of the Holy Prophet over these empires. Then why do they not wait that some of these prophecies of the Promised Messiah be fulfilled by his successors, sincere devotees, or progeny. Al Hakam, July 18th, 1908, Volume 12, page 42. In December 1914, Khwaja Kamal made a speech on the reasons for the internal controversy in the Ahmadiyya community, in which he said, When I performed the pledge, I stated that I would obey him and would also obey the future Khalifa. Reasons for the internal controversy in Ahmadiyya community, page 70. From all these statements of those who did not pledge allegiance to Khilafat during the second Khilafat, it is clear that they agreed that the Jamaat could not be established on firm grounds without Khilafat. They understood from the writings of the Promised Messiah in Al-Wasiyyat that there must be a Khilafah. They understood from the writings of the Promised Messiah in Al-Wasiyyat that there must be a Khalifa. The election of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih was exactly in accordance with Al-Wasiyyat. Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I was a righteous Imam whose obedience and obligatory Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I was a righteous Imam whose obedience was obligatory and his sayings amounted to the sayings of the Promised Messiah 
They believed in the coming of a future Khulafa after Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I, anhu. They believed that many prophecies would be fulfilled at the hands of a future Khalifa. All the leaders admonished all members of the Jamaat, old and new, to take the Pledge of Allegiance. The third speech, entitled, Positions Taken by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam after March 13, 1914, on Nabuat and Khilafat in the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat, by Sayyid Mir Mahmoud Ahmad Nasir. A bit more about the speaker. Sayyid Mir Mahmoud Ahmad Nasir was born in 1929 in Qadian into a devoted and noble family. His father was Hazrat Mir Muhammad Ishaq the younger brother of Hazrat Ammajan. He devoted his life for the service of Islam and Ahmadiyyat and was educated at Jamia Ahmadiyya. Sayyid Mir Mahmoud Ahmad Nasir served as a missionary in charge of the United States. He represented the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat at the United Nations Conference of World Religions, where his thesis on the Quran's invitation to come to the common denominator of worshipping one God was received with great appreciation. He also served as the missionary in charge for Spain from 1982 to 1983, and then he returned to the international headquarters of Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat to serve as Vakilu Tasneef. He is currently serving as Principal Jamia Ahmadiyya Rabwa in Pakistan. Now back to the speech. Positions taken by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Neshat Islami after March 13, 1914, on Nabuad and Khilafat in Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat. First position taken by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Neshat Islam. After the demise of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I, anhu, on March 13, 1914, the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Islam tried to bring about a change in the beliefs and doctrines of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat in an effort to discontinue the institution of Khilafat in the Jamaat, to block the elections of a Khalifa to whom everyone would pledge allegiance. The idea was put forward that even if an Amir or a Khalifa is elected, Taking bath at his hands would not be obligatory. Only new Ahmadis who joined the Jamaat would have to take the pledge. On March 15, 1914, an essay written by Molvi Muhammad Ali was printed under the caption, An Important Announcement, in which he wrote, The second matter to which I would like to draw attention of the friends is that there is no injunction or testament issued by the Promised Messiah which would require that those who have joined the Ahmadiyya Jamaat by taking pledge at the hands of the Promised Messiah should take a pledge at the hands of someone else. This statement of Mulvi Sahib was in contradiction to his own possessed belief. At the demise of the Promised Messiah all of the Jamaat considered it incumbent to take pledge at the hands of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih I, Raziyallahu. Malvi Muhammad Ali gave a new interpretation to the following decision. I have firm faith in Allah that this holy personage, Malvi Nuruddin, Raziyallahu, 
who has been bestowed title of Khalifatul Nasir, and who alone is worthy of that title in a true sense, has been granted to us by Allah for fulfilling our spiritual needs. This is the holy unselfish personage with full trust in Allah that has no match in today's world. There is no one in our Jamaat of his spiritual status, knowledge and understanding. If Allah so wills, he can create thousands of such people. But I speak only of what exists now. His knowledge and cognizance is so high that we all would bow our heads to him, even if we had not taken a pledge of allegiance. But for the strength of the Jamaat, the will of Allah inspired all of us to develop a spiritual bond with this holy and unselfish personage present amongst us at the demise of the Promised Messiah. His election was not decided just by 40, rather the heads of the entire Jamaat bowed to him. About 1500 members took a pledge at the same time. Not a single one, male or female, remained outside the pledge. Pergham March 15, 1914 It is obvious that this interpretation actually contradicted the position adopted by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam, rather than supporting it, since it pointed out that the first point of a complete agreement was the appointment of one person as Khalifa, to whom submission would be due from everyone. This was exactly according to the will of Allah. After about a month, the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam came out with a new version of their interpretation. In a long essay entitled An Open Letter to Molvi Sherali, Pegamesullah writes For the sake of God, avoid blind following. If we say that Hazrat Molvi Nuruddin did not follow Al Wasiyat, that the Jamaat had made a mistake, it does not take anything away from their holiness. Human beings do commit such mistakes. The Jamaat or respected Maulvi Sahib did not do so on purpose. Pegamesullah, April 22, 1914. The two interpretations show that when one forsakes the truth, he, sli he slips and cannot find a firm footing. On March 15th, it was stated that the election of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I, Razi al Anho, was in accordance with the divine will and that his personage was the same as the personage of the Promised Messiah. But on April 22nd, he did not hesitate to state, in support of his modified doctrine, that the complete agreement reached by all Ahmadis and endorsed by Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya after the demise of the Promised Messiah and in the presence of his holy body was a contrary to the testament of the Promised Messiah and Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I was a party to this violation. Now to the second position taken by the Anjuman Ishat Islam. The second doctrine which the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam adopted about Khilafat after the demise of the first Khalifa, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I, was that if a Khalifa or an Amir is elected, the Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya would not be answerable to him. Rather, the Anjuman would be independent 
in its decisions, and its decisions would be final. Its interpretations would be binding, and no one would have the right to instruct it or to reject its decisions. On March 22, 1914, the Ahmadiyya and Jumanishat Islam expressed their disagreement with Hazrat Khalif al Masih II on this point in the following words. As regards to Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya, Khalif al Masih II wants to keep complete control with himself. We disagree with that because the Promised Messiah has regarded the Anjuman as the vice regent or the Khalifa appointed by God and has regarded its decision as final unless a Mamur, meaning appointed by God, cancels them on the basis of a revelation from God. On the one hand, the Anjuman Ahmadiyya, the on the one hand, the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam regarded the Anjuman as completely independent and free, and regarded its decision as final and binding. But on the other hand, when they found its decision to be in variance with their own decisions and doctrines, they made fun of it. On March 22, 1914, published the report on the first meeting of the Anjuman after the demise of Hazrat Khalif al-Masih I in the following words. Today, a meeting of the Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya was held. The following were present. Sahib Zada Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad, Mia Bashir Ahmad, Nawab Muhammad Ali, Dr. Mir Muhammad Ismail, Dr. Khalifa Rashiduddin, Hazrat Molvi Muhammad Ahsan, Molvi Sher Ali, Molvi Muhammad Ali, Sheikh Rahmatullah, Sayyid Muhammad Hussain Shah, Dr. Mirza Yaqub Beg, and Molvi Sadardin. Moreover, the written opinions from Mir Hamid Shah and Molvi Ghulam Hussain were present. This was the first session which took place after the demise of Hazrat Khalif Tulmasih I, Razi Anhu. In short, it included five members who have not taken the Pledge of Allegiance to the Second Khilafat and seven who have taken pledge or are close relatives. They did what they wanted. Even matters not included in the agenda were approved in a dictatorial manner. Some members objected and wanted to have their disagreements noted, but it was not noted. These events foretell what is about to happen to the Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya, which is the successor to the Khalifa of God, meaning the Promised Messiah The report further stated that Hazrat Khalifa Tulmisi I had directed Mawbishir Ali to go to London and repeatedly admonished him to go to England to help Khwaja Sahib. But alas, this directive of Hazrat Khalifa Tulmisi I was buried along with his body. Despite the disagreement expressed by seven members, the members of the Anjuman, which comprised mostly of the relatives of Sahib Zada Sahib, and totaled eight including the vote of the presiding officer, made this undesirable decision. Thus, Mulvishir Ali Sahib was deprived of this good deed, and the injunction of Hazrat Khalifa I was disobeyed and dishonored. Inna lillahi wa inna 
The following members could not tolerate the insult done to the directive of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih Thinking that they might be considered responsible for this violation, the following members walked out. Maulvi Muhammad Ali, Sheikh Rahmatullah, Mirza Yaqub Beg, Dr. Sayyid Muhammad Ahsan, Pagham April 2, 1914. The above statements of Pagham show an intriguing contradiction. On the one hand, they regard the Anjuman to be above the Pledge of Allegiance to the Khalifa and regard its decisions as final. But on the other hand, when they find the decisions of Anjuman unacceptable, they criticize it and walk out of its meanings. Now to the third position taken by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishaat Islam. When someone denies a truth, he has to deny many other truths. This is what happened to Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishaat Islam. After the demise of Hazrat Khalifa Masih I, they rejected the true the truthful Islamic Khilafat in the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat. When they were reminded by those who had taken the Pledge of Khilafat that A. There's a Hadith gives the title of Nabi to the Promised Messiah and B. The Promised Messiah had repeatedly addressed, been addressed by the words Nabi in his revelations. And C. Khilafat is a topic which comes within the subject of Nabuwat and is declared by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I, Raziyallahu. Whatever applies to the original directives should, would apply to its subordinate matters. They started rejecting the Nabuwat of the Promised Messiah. In the beginning, they did not dare, they did not dare to do so openly. Rather, they continued to use the term Nabi in mentioning the Promised Messiah. For example, on March 22, 1914, in Pegamisullah, they write, We belong to the followers of a Nabi. Then, on April 12, 1914, addressing Malvishir it writes, You are making an ordinary statement in contradiction to the clear statement of a Mursal. A Mursal is one who is sent by God and a Mamur. However, gradually, under the pretext of Zilli, Zilli means reflective, and Baruzi, Baruzi means a spiritual reappearance. They stated, they started rejecting the Nabuwat of the Promised Messiah On the 12th of April, Pegham gave the following rationale for this rejection. Al-Fazl says that, according to the Kurzan Gazette, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad was not a Nabi, therefore his son should be his successor. This is a mistake. Mirza Sahib was a Nabi and his successorship should be settled in the same manner as it was settled for previous Anbiya prophets. We wanted to write about this issue in detail, but we'll confine ourselves to a short note for the sake of brevity. The surprise is that Al-Fazl in its earlier issue had accepted that Mirza Sahib is a Zili Nabi, but now regards him to be prophet, like earlier prophets. Were all earlier prophets of the same nature as Mirza Sahib? Were they all prophets by the way of reflection? 
The term Zili and Buruzi are terms of orders of Sufism. None of the orders of the Anbiya. Has there been any Nabi who called himself a Zili or a Buruzi Nabi? Did any Nabi add such a qualifications to his Nabuwat? Did any Nabi draw a distinction between Anbiya on the basis of the concepts like permanent, non-permanent, partial, dependent, law-bearing, non-law-bearing, defective or, or pers- perfect prophethood? The terms Zili and Buruzi are terms of Sufism. The distinction between law-bearing Anbiya has also been only made by these people. There is no mention of it in the Quran, Hadith, or in previous scriptures. In brief, the denial of the Khilafat on the part of the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam ended up in their denial of Nabuwat. The word Zili and Buruzi, which the Promised Messiah had used to describe the high status granted to him, were used by the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishat Islam to deny his Nabuwat. As a matter of fact, by using these terms, the Promised Messiah does not deny his claim of Nabuwat. Rather, they indicate his high status because the real Nabuwat is that of the Holy Prophet All other prophethoods and spiritual stages are a reflection of the light of Muhammad The ultimate cause of the creation of the universe is the holy personage of the Holy Prophet According to the Hadith, the first thing that was created was my light. The light of Muhammad was the first to be created. All other prophets and spiritual stages of perfection were created afterwards. However, until the time that the Holy Prophet himself appeared and complete and perfect teachings was revealed in the Holy Quran, no Nabi could become a complete and perfect reflection of the Holy Prophet Therefore, no Nabi was called a Zili Nabi. But when the Holy Prophet himself appeared and complete and perfect teachings was revealed in the Quran, then being who then the being who completely lost his own identity in submission to the Holy Prophet was declared to be complete reflection of the Holy Prophet and was deemed fit for the title of Zilli Nabi. The earlier Anbiya, since they were only partial reflections of the Holy Prophet did not deserve that title. Fourth and final speech is by Maulana Jalaluddin Shams. Born in 1901, Maulana Jalaluddin Shams was educated in Jamia Ahmadiyya, the missionary training center of Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat at Qadiyan. After completing his honors in Arabic from the University of Punjab, he served the Jamaat in various capacities. In 1925, he was appointed in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim missions, Middle East countries where he served for seven years. Subsequently, in 1936, he went to England where he served as the Imam of the London Mosque up to the end of the Second World War. 
1946, he returned to the headquarters of the movement. He was appointed Nazir Islaw Irshad. In 1946, he returned to the headquarters of the movement. He was appointed Nazir Islaw Rashad, meaning he was in charge of the missionary work in Pakistan, a post which he held until the, his death on the October 13, 1966. He is one of the three members of the Jamaat who have been given the title Khalid Ahmadiyat by Hazrat Muslim Anhu. He has written over 40 books in Urdu, Arabic, and English. The title of his speech is The Belief of the Promised Messiah and his successors about Nabuat of the Promised Messiah. Prophecies of the Holy Prophet. 1400 years ago, Hazrat Khatamun Nabiyyid, the Holy Prophet, gave the glad tidings to his followers of a leader, the promised Messiah, and a weighted reformer, who would judge between them with equity and would lead them on the right path. The Holy Prophet used the word Nabi four times for this promised one, and it's in Sahih Muslim, the book of Hadith. The Holy Prophet ﷺ asked his followers to convey his salam to this great and holy personage. The Holy Prophet ﷺ also said, referring to this unique personality, that there is no prophet between me and him. This is in Sunan Abi Daud, a book of Hadith. That is, I am a Nabi and he will be a Nabi. The Holy Prophet ﷺ further said in describing the honor and the stature of this grand personality that, quote, Abu Bakr is the most honored within my Ummah, except if a Nabi should appear, end quote. Now the fulfillment of the prophecies. Then the blessed moment arrived when the holy personage whose advent had been awaited by thousands of pious Muslims was raised in the holy town of Qadiyan. He was granted the status of Nabi and a Rasul in the sacred converse related to him by Almighty Allah. In Brahini Ahmadiyya, published in 1882 through 1885, includes the revelation and it is at states. The revelation states, Barahine Ahmadiyya, published in 1882 through 1885, includes the revelation. He it is who sent his Rasul with guidance and the religion of truth, that he may make it prevail over every other religion. Barahine Ahmadiyya and Rohani Khazai, Volume 1, Page 498. Another revelation from Allah follows in the same book, Champion of God and the Mantle of Anbiya, page 504. In the same book, very close to the above, is the revelation from Allah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and those who are with him are hard against the disbelievers and tender among themselves. Page 508. The Promised Messiah writes that 
In this divine revelation, I have been named Muhammad and also a Rasul. Ek Galti Ka Izala, which is in Rohani Khazayim, volume 18, page 207. Similarly, Allah the Almighty revealed to him the following as a saying of the earth O Nabi of God, I had not recognized you. This is in Hakikatul Wahi, which is in Rohani Khazayim, volume 22, page 100. Similarly, Allah addressed him as a Nabi in the revelation O Nabi of God, feed the wayfarer and the hungry. Similarly, he was called a Nabi in the Revelation. A Nabi came to the world, but the world accepted him not. In brief, over a period of 23 years, Allah the Most High addressed him as a Nabi, Rasul, and Mursal. During the last 10 years of his life, these words appeared with great frequency. Now, the belief of the Promised Messiah, when the Promised Messiah received the honor of converse with God and was repeatedly addressed as a Nabi, a Rasul, and a Mursal, he was inclined to interpret these terms in light of prevailing beliefs and terminology which had gained common acceptance among the Muslims over the period of 1,000 years. He regarded the words Nabi, Rasul, and Mursal which had been revealed to him as equivalent of muhaddis, because the Muslims at the time commonly defined a Nabi as one who, number one, brings a complete new Sharia or abrogates a previous Sharia or a previous law. Number two, a Nabi is one who is not a follower of a previous Nabi but acquires an independent status on his own merit. The Promised Messiah writes, Since according to definition, Nabi and Rasul in Islam means one who brings a complete new Sharia or a complete new law or abrogates some of the ordinances in the previous Sharia and since the Anbiya are not known as the followers of a previous Nabi and instead attain relationship with God without the intermediation of another Nabi, therefore, let everyone be aware, lest the same meaning be applied here also. I have no book other than the Holy Quran and have no Rasul other than the Holy Prophet. And I believe that our Holy Prophet is Khatamul Anbiya, seal of the Prophets. And the Holy Quran is Khatamul Kutub, final religious book. This is contained in a letter of the Promised Messiah dated August 17, 1889 in Al-Hakam, Volume 3, page 29. Because of the definition of Nabuwat prevailing amongst the Muslims, the Promised Messiah could not possibly call himself a Nabi or a Rasul. To avoid misunderstanding, he used these words with regard to himself very sparingly. When he addressed an, an, as a Nabi in Revelations from God, he interpreted the words to mean Muhaddis on the basis that the common belief that, that there could be no Nabi after the Holy Prophet. This does not mean that he did not understand the nature of the claim. 
Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II Anhu, writes, There was no time when the promised Messiah did not understand the stature of his claim. At all times, from the beginning to the end, he fully understood the position upon which God the Almighty had established him. However, he used great care in giving it a name, whether it should be called Nabuat or Muhaddasiyat. This is in the book Hakikatul Amr, page 10. After mentioning that Allah the Almighty has raised him as a muhaddis, the promised Messiah Islam continues. And muhaddis is also a nabi in a sense because he is honored with the converse with Almighty Allah. Secrets of the unseen are revealed to him, and like the prophets and messengers, revelations granted to him are safeguarded from the touch of Satan. True secrets of the Sharia are open to him and he is appointed by God in exactly the same manner as Anbiya. Just like the Anbiya, it is his duty to proclaim himself loudly. The one who refuses to respond to him is liable, up to a point, to be punished by God. Nabuat does not mean anything except that the above matters be found in him. Tawziyya Maram, Rohani Khazayin, Volume 3, Page 60 In other words, he interpreted the words Nabi in a sense of Muhaddis. However, since the Promised Messiah was a Nabi in the sight of God, and he was repeatedly addressed Muhaddis meaning a reformer. However, since the Promised Messiah was a Nabi, a prophet, in the sight of God, and he was repeatedly addressing the Promised Messiah in the words of Nabi and Rasul, the Promised Messiah could not continue that belief. He writes, Afterwards, the revelation of Allah, which descended upon me like a pouring rain, forced me to change my previous beliefs, and he granted me the title of Nabi in very clear words, but in a manner of calling me a Nabi from one aspect and an Ummati from another aspect. Afterwards, he announced publicly that he was superior to Jesus Christ, may peace be upon him, in every way. In short, when the Promised Messiah clearly recognized that the prevailing definition of Nabuwat was not a comprehensive definition, and that it is not necessary for a Nabi to bring a new Sharia, nor that he should be abrogate the previous Sharia or forsake the obedience of a previous Nabi. Then the Promised Messiah announced the concept of Nabuwat and Risalat in very clear words. Now, Nabuwat defined by God, the Promised Messiah says, Number one, in his revelations, Almighty Allah has used the term Nabuwat and Risalat with the reference to me hundreds of times. But it refers to the converse with God, which is frequent and contains knowledge of the unseen, nothing more. Everyone has a right to adopt an idiom, and this is the definition adopted by God that He has given the title of Nabuwat to the frequent converse with Him. Chashmai Marifat, Rohani Khuzai, Volume 23, page 341.
Number two, by Nabu'ut I only mean frequency of converse with God, which is granted as a consequence of following the Holy Prophet You also believe in converse with God, so the disagreement is on the terminology only. What you call converse with God, I call it frequency as Nabu'ut in accordance with the commandment of God. Hakikatul Wahi Rohani Huzai, Volume 22, page 503. Now, according to his own view, the Promised Messiah Islam, writes, In my view, a Nabi is one upon whom the words of God descend in a matter that is unambiguous, definite, in abundance, and contains knowledge of the unseen. This is why God has granted me the title of Nabi. Tajalliyate Lahiya Rohani Khuzai, Volume 20, page 412. Now the real definition. He who manifests the knowledge of the unseen from God will, by definition, be truly called a Nabi in accordance with the following verse. Fala yuzhiru ala ghaybihi ahada. He does not grant anyone ascendancy over his domain of the unseen except him who he chooses as his messenger. Surah Jin, chapter 72, verse 27, quoted in E Galti Ka Izala, which is in Rohani Khazayim, volume 18, page 208. The Islamic Terminology In Islamic terminology, a Nabi is a one who receives converse from God, which contains knowledge of the unseen, mighty prophecies, and conveys them to Allah's creatures. This is a speech of the Promised Messiah, salam, contained in Al-Hakam, May 6, 1908. If one who is bestowed knowledge of the unseen by God Almighty cannot bear the title of a Nabi, then how should he be designated? If you should say that such a one should be called Muhaddis, I would counter that no lexicon attributes to tahdis, appointment by God of someone as a muhaddis, the connotation of disclosure of the unseen. But Nabu'at has this connotation. E Galtika Azala Rohani Ghazayim, volume 18, page 207. Now the linguistic term. The Promised Messiah states, I am called a Nabi because both in Arabic and in Hebrew, Nabi means one who receives revelations from God and makes prophecies in abundance. Letter to Akhbar-e-Am, May 23, 1908 Definition of the Prophets When this communion and converse reaches the highest stage of perfection, from the point of view of both quality and quantity, and is free from all impurities and deficiencies, and when it is openly and explicitly reveals matters pertaining to the unknown, then such a revelation is in order, is in other terms designated as prophethood. All prophets, al-Islam, are in agreement concerning this. Al-Wasiyat, Ruhani Khazai, Volume 20, page 311. Now the misunderstandings removed by the Promised Messiah, Islam. 
After this revolutionary correction in the prevailing definition of Nabuwath from about 1901 to his demise, the Promised Messiah applied the term Nabi, Rasul, and Mursal to himself openly, repeatedly, and with firm conviction. But the Promised Messiah was always mindful that the common people may misunderstand this. Therefore, whenever he used the term Nabi or Rasul, he explained that Nabuwat did not mean the type which requires a new Sharia, only a permanent, independent claim. He always explained that he is an Ummati of the Holy Prophet and whatever he has gained is through the blessings of the Holy Prophet He further pointed out that the, his Nabuwat does not in on any way contravene the status of the Holy Prophet as Khatam al-Nabiyyin. The title of Nabi for an Ummati does not imply any such problem. He writes, I am not a Rasul or a Nabi by virtue of a new law, a new claim, and a new name, but I am a Rasul and a Nabi by virtue of perfect reflection. I am the mirror in which the form and the Nabuat of Muhammad I am the mirror in which the form and the Nabuat of Muhammad are perfectly reflected. Nazulul Masih Rohani Hazai volume eighteen page three eighty one. He also writes Whatever I have denied being a Nabi or a Rasul, it is a denial in the sense that I have not brought any permanent law, nor am I an independent Nabi. I am a Rasul and a Nabi, in the sense that I have received spiritual grace from my leader Rasul, and by acquiring his name for myself and through his intermediation, I have received knowledge of the unseen from God, but without a new law. I have new, never disowned this kind of Nabuwat. Indeed, God has addressed me as Nabi and Rasul in this sense. So even now I do not deny being a Nabi or a Rasul in this sense. Egalti Ka Azala, Rohani Ghazayin, Volume 18, page 210 and 211. Then he writes, However, it must be borne in mind and should never be forgotten that despite being addressed as a Nabi and a Rasul, I have been informed by God that these favors have not descended upon me directly. There is a holy being in heaven whose spiritual grace is with me, that is, Muhammad, the Chosen, It is through relationship with him and by merging myself in him, and by receiving his names, Muhammad and Ahmad, that I am a Rasul as well as a Nabi. Egalti Ka Azala, page 213. In March 1908, he explained the point in the following words. I claim to be a Rasul and a Nabi. The controversy relates to the definition. Whosoever is a recipient of converse with God in a matter that exceeds others in quantity and quality, and converses include prophecies, would be called a Nabi. This definition applies to me, therefore I am a Nabi. However, it is not a Nabuwat which brings a new law, nor does it abrogate the Book of God. Badr, March 5, 1908 In Hakikatul Wahi he writes, Remember that some people are mistaken by my claim to be a Nabi. They imagine that I have claimed the type of Nabuwat which has granted 
to earlier Anbiya on their own. They are wrong in this notion. I have made no such claim. Rather, the will and the divine wisdom of the Almighty Allah decreed to honor me with this status in order to prove the perfection of the spiritual grace of the Holy Prophet The blessings of spiritual grace have led me to the status of Nabuwat. Therefore, I cannot just be called a Nabi, rather a Nabi from one aspect and an Ummati from another aspect. Hakikatul Wahi, Ruhani Khazai, Volume 22, page 154. Given below are uh, some references illustrating the above clarifications. In these references, the Palmist Messiah clearly emerges as a claimant of Nabuwat and Rasalat. In 1901, he states, Since I myself witnessed the clear fulfillment of about 150 prophecies, about 150 prophecies, how can I deny the title of Nabi or Rasul about me? Since Allah the Most High has Himself bestowed these titles upon me, why should I forsake them or fear anyone except Him? I declare in the name of God who has sent me, and cursed are those who fabricate lies about Him, that He has sent me as the Promised Messiah. Eghalti ka Izala, Rohani Khazayim, Volume 18, page 210. In 1902 he states, Similarly, Allah the Almighty and His Holy Prophet have given to the Promised Messiah the titles of Nabi and Rasul. Nazulul Masih, Rohani Khazayim, Volume 18, page 426. In 1905 he states, In the second advent, Isa, despite being Umati, will be addressed as a Nabi too. Rahine Ahmadiyya, Rohani Khazayim, Volume 19, page 182. In 1906 he states, Then what is the reason that on one hand the plague devouring our country and on the other the earthquakes are not leaving you alone? Look around, O heedless ones. Perhaps a Nabi has been raised amongst you whom you are treating as a liar. The Jalliyate Lahia Ruhani Huzai, volume 20, page 401. And again, in this Ummah, thousands of holy saints appeared through the blessings of the following of the Holy Prophet and also one appeared who is both an Ummati and a Nabi Hakikatul Wahi Ruhani Khuzai Volume 22 Page 30 The Promised Messiah writes referring to the verses in uh, Surah Bani Israel Chapter 17 Verse 16 That we never punish unless we send a messenger he says, this verse too points to the appearance of a Rasul in the latter days. He is the same as the promised Messiah, Islam. Due to widespread sin and evil deeds, people have become worthy of chastisement in this world. In accordance with this, his eternal way, Almighty Allah postponed that chastisement until he had sent a Nabi. When the Nabi had appeared and this nation was invited through thousands of announcements and booklets, then the time came that they should be punished for their crimes. I declare in the name of God who controls my life that he has sent me and he has granted me with the title of Nabi. He has called me the promised Messiah 
and he has shown signs for my truthfulness, which number are about 300,000. The Promised Messiah writes, commenting upon the verse, وَآخِرِينَ مِنْهُمْ لَمَّا يَلْحَكُوا بِهِمْ And among others from among them who have not yet joined him, which is in Surah Al-Jummah, chapter 62, verse 4. He says, this means that there is one group of the companions of the Holy Prophet ﷺ which had not yet appeared. Obviously, the companions are those who appeared during the lifetime of the Nabi and partake in his companionship in the state of being true believers and benefit from his teachings and training. This proves that there will be a Nabi in the future generations who would present the reappearance of the Holy Prophet ﷺ by way of reflection. Therefore, his companions will be the companions of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. They will render service in the way of Allah for their faith, just like the companions. In any event, this verse is a prophecy about the appearance of a Nabi in the latter days. Otherwise, there was no reason for calling the people who were to be born after the Holy Prophet ﷺ as companions of the Prophet. Moreover, the Promised Messiah writes, In short, I alone have been honored with so great a share of divine revelations and knowledge of the unseen and has not been bestowed on any of the awliya, abdal, or aktab among the Muslims before me. For this reason, I alone have been bestowed the title of Nabi and no one else has deserved it because it imports frequency of revelations and large discourse of the unseen, a condition which is not fulfilled by any of them. In 1907, in explaining the verse, which is in Surah Al-Kaf, uh, chapter 18, verse 100, which states, the pro the trumpet here means the promised Messiah because the Anbiya are God of God are trumpets. Chashmai Marfat Rohani Khazai, volume 23, page 85. For giving that verdict, God will blow his voice into the Karna, which is a trumpet. What is the Karna? His Nabi. In 1908, when asked by the state chief whether Mirza Sahib claims to be a Rasul, an Ahmadi recited the Persian couplet of the Promised Messiah in which he said, I am not a Rasul and I have brought no new book. The Promised Messiah told him, You should have explained this couplet. I only deny being a Nabi who brings a new book. Listen, you should never be fearful in stating matters in which have been decreed in heaven. To have any kind of fear is not the way of those who belong to a truthful Jamaat. Then the Promised Messiah cited the way of the companions of the Holy Prophet that they were always forthright in expressing their beliefs and continued, I claim to be a Rasul and a Nabi. Actually, this is a controversy on the terminology. Whoever receives converse from God, which far exceeds others, and also makes prophecies in abundance, is called a Nabi. This definition truly applies to me. Therefore, I am a Nabi. Badr, March 5th, 1908 So I am a Nabi in accordance with the commandments of God. If an, I deny that claim, I would commit a sin. 
Since God has named me a Nabi, how can I deny it? A letter written by the Promised Messiah, Akhbar e Am, May 26, 1908. The guidance given by the Promised Messiah, Islam, on how to present his claim. After proving claims of Nabuwat and Risalat from books and letters of the Promised Messiah, Islam, a question remains that in the view of the references and the writings of the Promised Messiah, Islam, in which he is denied being called a Nabi according to the pre prevailing definitions of those terms, what should our response be when an inquirer asks us about the Promised Messiah, Islam? Was a Nabi and a Rasul? Should we say that he was not a Nabi? Or should we say something else? The Promised Messiah has himself settled the matter. He gave the issue so much importance that he prepared a booklet for this purpose. It was called a Galti Ka Izala, meaning a misunderstanding removed. As the name implies, the booklet was written to correct a misunderstanding. This is what happened as stated by the Promised Messiah Islam himself. Some members of my Jamaat who only have a very limited information about my claim and is supporting arguments, who have neither had an opportunity to study my books carefully, nor were they able to acquire all the necessary knowledge by staying in my company for a reasonably long period, sometimes respond to criticisms of the opponent in a matter contrary to the facts. The result is that despite belonging to the truthful Jamaat, they are put to shame. A Ghalti Ka Izala, Rohani Khazayin, Volume 18, page 206. The Promised Messiah continues, Only a few days ago, a friend was confronted with an obje objection from an opponent that he had pledged allegiance to one who claims to be a Nabi and a Rasul. The objection was answered by a simple denial. As a matter of fact, such a response is not correct. The truth is that the sacred revelations from Allah the Most High, which has descended upon me, contains words like Rasul, Mursal, and Nabi, not once, but hundreds of times. Then how can it be correct to answer that such words do not exist? This reference should be studied with great evidence. The being who was given the exalted title of Hakam, the Judge, and Adal, the Just, by the Holy Prophet has said that a simple negation of his sta status of Nabuwat is not correct. How true are his words? He states, The result is that despite belonging to the truthful Jamaat, they are put to shame. The history of two groups of Ahmadi Muslims bear testimony that those amongst the followers of the Promised Messiah Islam, who denied the Promised Messiah's Islam's claim of Nabuwat and Rasalat were always put to shame. In every field they had been defeated by the Jamaat which presents the Promised Messiah with us utmost sincerity and faith as an Ummati Zilid Nabi, Rasul and Mursal. On May 17, 1908, the Promised Messiah made a speech on the occasion of a reception. A news was printed in Akhbar e Am stating that the Promised Messiah has denied his claim of Nabuwat in that reception. On the same day, the Promised Messiah wrote a letter to the editor of the paper refuting this news. The letter starts by saying to the editor Akhbar e Am, 
In Akhbare Am, dated May 23, 1908, column 1, line 2, a news has been printed about me that I have denied my claim of being a Nabi. In response, I would like to make it clear that in my address I proclaimed and do so again that the charge preferred against me as if I claim to be a Nabi who is not bound by the Holy Quran and that I have instructed a new Kalama and have appointed a new Qibla and that I claim to have abrogated the Sharia of Islam I do not, and that I do not follow and obey the Holy Prophet, may peace be upon him, is entirely false. I consider a claim of such nabuwat as amounting to be kufr, and I have set forth throughout in all my books that I do not claim any such nabuwat, and that I am calumny to attribute such claim to me. The basis of which I claim myself as a Nabi is that I am honored with the converse of God Almighty. He speaks to me frequently and responds to me and discloses many hidden things to me and informs me about future events in the matter that he adopts only towards one who enjoys special nearness to him. And that on the account of the multiplicity of these matters he has designated me as a Nabi. Thus I am a Nabi in accordance with the divine commandment and it would be a sin for me to deny it. If I shall continue to firmly establish on it till I pass away from the world, I am not a Nabi in the sense of separating myself from Islam or abrogating any commandment of Islam. I bear the yoke of the Holy Quran, and no one dare abrogate a single word or vowel point of the Holy Quran. I affirm, not out of desire for self-praise, but on the basis of God's grace and His promise that if the whole world were on one side and I were alone on the other side and a matter was were put forward as a criterion for determining the truth of a servant of God, I would be granted supremacy by God in such a context. God would be with me in every aspect of the contest and would grant me victory in every field. It is on this basis that God has designated me as Nabi. In short, I am called a Nabi because in Arabic and Hebrew, Nabi means one who receives revelations from God and makes prophecies in abundance. Without the abundance, these meanings cannot be truly applicable. This is a letter written by the Promised Messiah, published in akhbar am May 26, 1908. This letter was written by the Promised Messiah on May 23, 1908 and was published in Akhbarayam on May 26, 1908, the day of his demise. This was his last letter. If it were true that he had made no claim of Nabuwat, why then would he repudiate the news published in Akhbarayam on May 23, 1908? that he had denied the claim of Nabuwat. Why then would he have said, I am a prophet in accordance with the commandment of God. If I deny that claim, I would commit a sin. Since God has named me a Nabi, how can I deny it? I will hold to that belief until I die. Twice it happened that Ahmadi stated to the opponents that the promised Messiah was not a Nabi or a Rasul. Both times he repudiated that statement the first time a publishing, by publishing a misunderstanding removed, then in March 1908 as Badr, 
he published it under his diary. The third time when a news item appeared in akhbar that he had denied the claim of Nabuoth, he immediately repudiated that news. These few references make the views of the Promised Messiah about being a Nabi very clear and obvious. Anyone who says that he has made no such claim of Nabuoth and that he was only a Mujaddid or a Muhaddith, just like others who had passed before him in the Muslim Ummah, is a plain denier of truth. Now, the views of the first and second Khalifa. Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, the first Anhu, states, the editor of the, of the Badr narrates the following. It was mentioned that Mulvi Muhammad Hussain has written that if Ahmadi stopped calling Mirza Zahib as a Nabi, he would retract his edict of Kufr. Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, the first said, in response to uh, Maulvi Muhammad Hussain, we are not concerned about their edicts, and what their what they and what is their worth. Ever since Maulvi Muhammad Hussain has issued his edict, he can see himself how deep his honor has sunk, and how low his honor, his much honor has been bestowed, and how much more honor has been bestowed upon Mirza Sahib. This is in Al Badr. April 13th, 1911, page 2. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II and his views. On the occasion of Jalsa Salana, the annual convention, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II addressed the audience as follows Tell the whole world clearly that this Nabi appeared in Qadian and his name was Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Following the Holy Quran, and in humble service to the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he was honored with the title of Ahmad, and he was the recipient of the revelations from God. Badr, January 19, 1911, page 4. He also said, The surprising thing is that these people did not consider that since we accept the promised Messiah as a Nabi, then how can we reject his verdict? A Muslim is one who accepts all the appoint all ones appointed by God. Al Hakam, May 14, 1911. Now, an easy way to set, settle this controversy. There is scope for controversies and verbal hair splitting in matters of debates and rhetoric. But Hazrat Khalifa al Masih II offered to the Ahmadiyya Anjumanishat Islam a method of settlement which can quickly lead to the right decision. In 1915, he took an oath that Allah's chastisement be upon the liar and then stated the following, I speak in the name of God who controls my life, who can render chastisement, who is going to cause me to die, who is living all-powerful who rewards and punishes as he wills, and who raised the Holy Prophet ﷺ for the guidance of the world. I declare on oath, taking God as my witness, that when Hazrat Mirza Sahib was alive, I considered him to be a Nabi, in the same sense in which I believe him to be now. I also declare on oath that Almighty Allah has told me 
face to face in a vision that the promised Messiah is a Nabi. I do not say that all of those who have not taken the Pledge of Allegiance to Khilafat Ahmadiyya have bad character, and all of our Jamaat have good character. But I do declare on oath that the beliefs that we hold are true. Al-Fazl, September 23, 1915 But neither Mulvi Muhammad Ali nor any members of the Ahmadiyya Anjuman Ishaat Islam has ever been able to declare their belief under oath with such conviction and sincerity. Then, in 1926, Hazrat Khalifa al Masih II presented another way to resolve the matter. He said, If all the statements written by Maulvi Muhammad Ali prior to the split pertaining to the subject of Nubu'ud are collected together, I will sign them and will state that to be my belief. Al-Fazl, October 9, 1928 This offer was a very powerful strike upon the changed doctrines of Maulvi Sahib. Upon up to his death, he could not respond to it. Then, in 1944, in a conclusive argument for the Ahmadiyya and Jumanishat Islam, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II challenged Maulvi Muhammad Ali to a prayer duel and also added that Maulvi, Maulvi Sahib would never accept that challenge. Furqan Qadiyan, June 1944. The statement on oath given by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II and both the methods of settlement offered by him are clear and conclusive proofs that he held the same belief about the Nabuwa of the Promised Messiah before and after the split, and it did not go undergo any change. Rather, those outside the Pledge of Khilafat changed their doctrines after the split. What they wrote before the split shows the exact same belief of the Ahmadis who hold the Pledge of Allegiance to Khilafat. But after the split, the leader of the group who did not adhere to the Khilafat the Ahmadiyya, Maulvi Muhammad Ali, writes, he was a Nabi in the same sense in which the other Mujaddideen of the Ummah can be called Anbiya. This is an attract, Miri, Miri Aqaid, page 6. He also writes, The kind of Nabuat which can be attained in this Ummah was certainly granted to Hazrat Ali. An Nabuat fil Islam, page 115. This belief, which he announced after the split, is clearly a variance with the clear and forthright statement of the Promised Messiah who stated, In short, I alone have been honored with so great a share of divine revelation and of knowledge of the unseen as has been bestowed on any of the awliya, abdal, or aqtab amongst the Muslims before me. For this reason, I alone have been bestowed the title of Nabi, and no one else has deserved it because it imports frequency of revelation and large discourse of the unseen, a condition which is not fulfilled by any of them. Hakikatul Wahi, Rohani Khazayim, Volume 22, page 406 to 407. Similarly, he writes, There have been hundreds of saints by obedience to the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and there is also one who is both Ummati and a Nabi. Hakikatul Wahi, Rohani Khazayim, Volume 22, page 30. 
Moreover, the Promised Messiah has written, So many are signs granted to me that if they are distributed among thousands, among, among one thousand Anbiya, they would suffice to prove their truthfulness. Cheshmai Marifat Rohani Khazai, Volume 23, page 323. The signs are so many that suffice to prove Nabuat of more than a thousand Anbiya. But it is strange indeed that according to those outside the Pledge of Khilafat, they did not even prove his own Nabuat. Now all thoughtful and intelligent people can decide for themselves whether the change in doctrines in complete variance with the writings of the Promised Messiah was made after the split by Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Ahmad and his followers, or whether it was made by those who went outside the Pledge of Khilafat, and especially their leader, Molvi Muhammad Ali.